your Bibles, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this day that we can come together to sing praises to your name, to exalt you, to come before your throne with thanksgiving, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for who you are. We thank you, Father God, that thou art a great and wonderful God who is not distant but is ever-present with us. He doesn't care but does desire to meet our every need and we thank you for that father we pray today as we come to your word now that you would quieten our hearts you'd prepare us father god for the presentation of your word lord we would receive your word with thanksgiving that you be exalted and you be lifted up father god through it today give me wisdom i pray to say only that which you would have me to say and may we father god today receive from you a blessing may we leave this place this morning having known that we've been in your presence. Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt, in my mind at least, that we need today, more than ever, our godly homes. Homes that we can get sentimental about, if you like. Homes where God is the head and Christ is the centre a Bible kind of home. Now, a Bible kind of home must begin with the man. This is not to belittle the ladies or to forget godly mothers and forget godly wives. It's to start where God starts. God intended that a Christian home should start with a godly man. A man who knows his God-given role within that home. You know, society would have you and I think that the roles in marriage are interchangeable. But the world is at odds with God's word in this matter of roles. The Bible doesn't vacillate to accommodate the desires of the ungodly culture in which we live. It remains the standard for godly living. And the couple who accept what God's word teaches concerning their roles and seek to fill those roles will have a happy and godly home. So over the next two weeks, we're going to consider the twofold role of the Christian husband. Yes, man, two weeks for you, one week for the ladies last week. And uh, as Darren said to me before the service, we didn't even miss the men last week. Uh, but no, two more weeks for the men. See, I feel more comfortable in this ground. It's preaching to men about men because that preaches to me. It's a lot safer than preaching to ladies. So uh, we're going to have two weeks, men, to look at the role of the Christian husband as we record in Ephesians chapter 5. God's word clearly teaches that the husband is to both lead and love his wife. To lead and love his wife. And today we're going to note the first of these, that God intends for the husband to lead his wife. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Now let me start my give you a bit of a definition of the word husband. What does this word husband mean? 
Well, the word husband literally means the bands of the house. The bands, B-A-N-D-S, the bands of the house. He is the house band, okay? Not the, the drum kit and the guitar and he's playing instruments and, uh, you know, he's not the band of the house that way. He is the band in this sense. Someone explain the definition this way. For he is said to be the person who keeps it together as the band keeps the sheaf of grain together. There are today many married men who are not husbands because they're not the band of the house. They don't bind the house together. Okay? The husband is the house band. He's the band that holds it all together. There is no doubt that God has given a great responsibility to the husband. As we said last week, the husband is the God-ordained authority within the home. And that's what he says here in verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife. He's the God-ordained authority in the home. Now, the husband is the head of the wife speaks of responsibility. It speaks of authority. It speaks of leadership because he is the house band. Someone must lead and be held responsible for what happens in the home and God gave that role to the man. There is no ambiguity here in God's word. God declares that the man is the head. That's final, categorical, it's stated here and in numerous other places of the word of God that man is the head of the home. In this case, he said the man is the head of the wife. And I said there's no ambiguity. It's black and white, it's clear. The problem comes though, what does it mean? Okay, we're the head of the home, but what does that mean? We're the head of the wife. What does that mean? What does it mean to be the head? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. Well, first, it's a representative headship. It's a representative headship. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the saviour of the body. Our role is to lead because God has designated the husband as the representative authority in the home. We stand as his representative in the home. As Christ is the head of the church, we're to be head of the wife, we're to be head of the home. That's the role that God gave us. We represent him in the home. And therefore, we're to follow the example of Christ, which is what he states here. He says, the husband the head, how are we to be the head? Even as Christ is the head of the church. Christ is our example. His headship of the church, his headship of believers, is the example by which we live. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he represented the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He represented the Trinity on earth. In fact, he said to the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And as men in the home, we are to be representatives. We are the divine representative within the home. We are to reflect the very character of Christ's headship in, over the church in the home. The husband and the one who God holds responsible for the decisions in the family. So in Ephesians 5.23, God says the husband is the head of the wife. Now when we start talking like this, some men get to thinking now we're getting to the important stuff. Well, this is what we've been waiting for, headship and submission. You know, this is what we need. We need all our wives to know that that's what they're to be, is submitted to us, which you did last week, and uh, we're the head. And they all need to know that. 
But we need to understand this, man, that headship is not dictatorship. We're not the lord of the castle. We're not sitting up there dictating uh, as little, uh, uh, you know, digs over an empire. We are God's ordained leadership in the home. It's true, the full sense of the word head means authority. Literally means to take hold of, to lead. And the problem is we get our thinking about headship clouded by the, the natural understanding of it, authority, without understanding what the word actually means. The word actually means to hold of, to lead, to take responsibility for. To take responsibility for the wife, responsibility for the home, to take the leadership in that place as we've already said man when you remember we are the head and the leader not because we're better or smarter than our wives we said this last week the reason why you and I are the head is simply this that God said we were the head it's got nothing to do with who we are it's got nothing to do with how good a leader we are it's got nothing to do with how special we might feel we are it's got nothing to do with how smart we are it's got nothing to do with any of that. It's because God gave us the responsibility. We don't lead because we're better leaders, because God appointed us that position. The truth is that many a wife could lead better. Many a wife is smarter. Many a wife is much more able. But that's not the point here. The point here is that God said, I choose in the relationship that I created between husband and wife, I choose that the man will be the one who's responsible for the home. He will be my representative leader in the home. God has chosen you and I as men to be his representative authority in the home. And when we look at this idea of headship and other passages of Scripture, and we're not going to go there, but if you were to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1 Timothy chapter 3, where this is also mentioned, this matter of the husband being the head of the wife being the head of the home, the emphasis is put constantly upon the fact that man was created first and then Eve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which talks about the fact that Eve was, was uh, uh, deceived by the subtlety of Satan, the, the the, the verse has gone to say, Adam was created first, then Eve. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the emphasis is the same. Adam was created first, then Eve. And so there's a natural priority in the relationship for the man. Man was created first, then Eve. And the scripture also emphasizes the fact that the woman was made out of man, taken out of his side to show a connection with him. Martin Luther made the comment that uh, she was not taken out of his head to be above him or taken from his feet to be underneath him, but from his side to be equal with him. Scripture also emphasizes the fact that she was created to be an helpmeet for him. A help for man that was meat for him, that was fit for him, that was perfect for him, that she would be his perfect uh, Second, perfect other that would help fulfill him, help complete him, help him to be the kind of man that he ought to be, help him to be the leader he ought to be. She to assist him in this role. 
See, nowhere in the scripture does God diminish the fact that women somehow are second-class citizens and therefore they, they need a man to look after them because they can't take care of themselves. and They need a man to lead them because they can't lead themselves. And they need a man to think for them because they can't think for themselves. None of that's true. They're more than capable of leading. They're more than capable of taking care of themselves. They're more than capable of thinking of themselves. But God said, I want to represent him in the home and I'm going to choose the man. I created him first and the woman is a natural priority. He is the leader and she is to be his helpmate. She's work alongside him to help him be that leader that God wants him to be. Now it's interesting that this whole matter of man and woman relationship and the fact of that she was created being helpmate happened before the fall. Therefore, this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, other passages, makes it clear that before and after the fall, God ordained there be a different role for a man and a woman. Before the fall, the relationship between man and woman was that man was created first, he was the head, the woman was created out of man to be his helpmate. After the fall, the relationship's the same, nothing's changed. The difference roles between husband and wife are not a result of the fall. They're not erased by the new life in Christ. These rules are God's ordained plan for successful marriage that he decreed before Adam and Eve sinned. This is what he expected for them then and even now. And to that end, men, you and I have been given the responsibility to lead. Because we have been chosen by God to be God's representative leadership in the home. And that brings with it a great responsibility. You see, God didn't write these words in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 lightly. In fact, have you noticed verses 22 to 33, who the emphasis is on in this passage? Not the wife. One verse says to the wife, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands and unto the Lord. Then the rest of the chapter basically is about men and our responsibility. So it shouldn't surprise you I've got two messages for the men. I only had one for the woman. Because you see, we are God's representative authority and we need all the help we can get to be the kind of leader we need to be because that's our responsibility and that's why God gave us a godly wife. Now, this representative headship functions on two different planes. There's the functional plane and there's the attitudinal plane. The functional plane involves what we do and how we act. The attitudinal plane involves how we perceive our role. In other words, not just our actions, but the spirits of our actions. So our leadership is not just a representative headship. It's secondly, a functional headship. There's supposed to be some practicality to this, where it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he, get, he is the savior of the body. Okay, the Bible here tells us that as the head of the church, Christ did something. There was a function. He's not just a figurehead. When we say Jesus Christ is the head of the church, we're not saying he's just the figurehead of the church. 
he actually has a functional relationship in the home in, in the church. You know, the Queen of Australia really is a figurehead. She does not have a functional role for the most part in our politics. She intervened in 1975, but for the most part she has no impact, no uh, uh, influence in our in our politics. She is simply a figurehead. She's the head of the Church of England. Once again, she's simply a figurehead. She has no influence in the policies and practices of the church. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, he is not the figurehead of the church. He is actively involved in the functioning of the church. He's the saviour of the body. He actually brought the body together. He keeps the body together. And he will deliver the body to glory, which is what it talks about in the rest of this chapter. It says in verse uh, 27, it says that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but it should be holy without blemish. He's a functional head. And the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He has a functional role. We're not just the figurehead of the home. We actually are supposed to do something as the head of our homes. We have a responsibility to lead. Man, we need to realize that that leadership comes with matching accountability. Such the husband as a leader is always ultimately responsible. God designed that you and I as men in our homes, we take the leadership role. And with that role of leadership, there is an expectation upon us that you and I will actually do something, will actually function as leaders. And with that functioning, there is an accountability. We see this illustrated in Genesis chapter 3. In verses 6 through 12. Go back with me, if you would, please, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband which with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they saw, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. It's interesting in this passage, Eve is the first one to sin. She's out walking in the garden. Satan comes across and speaks to her and talks to her about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and she partakes of it because she is convinced by the subtlety of Satan that she ought to partake of it because it was pleasant to the eyes, it was good for food, uh, and able to make one wise, which is what he told her. And so she partakes of the fruit. She's the first to partake. She's the first to sin. She gives it to Adam. But when God comes calling, who does he talk to? Eve? 
The first person he speaks to is Adam. It says in verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And then Adam has a conversation with the Lord, and he says, I heard thee coming in the garden. I hid myself, and I was afraid because I was naked. And the Lord said, did you eat of the fruit of the tree? And, of course, Adam did what many men do and blamed his wife. So it was all her fault. But God spoke first to Adam, not to Eve. Why? Because he's the leader. He's the head. He was the head before the fall, and he's now going to be the head after the fall. And after the fall, he's now held accountable for their actions, even though Eve sinned first, and she has to suffer the consequence of her sin. See in Genesis chapter 3. But the first person God speaks to is Adam, and the first person God judges is Adam. Because he was the head of the wife. So Eve was responsible for her actions, but Adam was the leader shoulders the responsibility. God designated the husband to have functional authority. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. We're to function in this role. We're going to be held accountable for it, so we ought to at least try to live up to it. You and I are going to give account for how we led our homes. We might as well at least try and be functional leaders. You know, the leader, uh, we're the, we're the uh, functional leader of the home, and as such, we are responsible for the decisions and direction of the home. Ultimately, the, bo- the buck stops with us. And therefore, we must take the lead. And the husband demonstrates his leadership by being actively involved in the life of his spouse and his family. Just as Christ is actively involved in the life of the church, Christ is actively involved in in, uh, the the church, which is his body. Christ is actively involved in that, interceding for us at the right hand of the Father and so on. He, He is pleading for us and he is acting on our behalf. As he is functioning as our head, so too you and I as men must be actively involved in the life of our spouse and our family. In other words, he honors, comforts, cares, and protects the family. Look in verse 23, it says, and he's the savior of the body. Then drop down to verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not in spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but he should be holy without blemish. So what men love their wives as their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We're to nourish and cherish the wife. The husband establishes direction in the home, takes the lead. He is the savior of the body, as Christ is. He's to to be the one who uh, takes care of the family. He is to be just like Christ is. He is to... Uh, cherish, nourish, and cherish the body, which is the family. He assumes the responsibility to lead the home in such a way that you'll help the wife and the children grow spiritually. It's interesting the word 
nourish here carries the idea of food and, 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 and those provisions that are needed to sustain health and life. The word cherish has the idea of and protection. So as men, we're supposed to provide for our families the nourishment they need, the food they need to sustain their lives and all those things they need to sustain life. And you and I are also supposed to provide for their clothing and their protection. We're to nourish and, and cherish them. When a wife tells us she's got nothing to wear, we really ought to consider the fact that she may not have anything to wear, even though we don't understand that. Because part of our role is we are to cherish her. The word cherish actually means to, to love, but in this context it has the idea of demonstrating that love. And we show her we love her by clothing her and protecting her. We show her that we love her by providing for her every need, whether it be physical or whether or whatever it might be, you and I are seeking to help her. As men, that's our role. We have a responsibility for active involvement in the family. We can't be passive observers, men. We have a God-ordained responsibility to function as leaders, not just as a figurehead. It should never be the case that, you know, uh, where's the husband in this family? Well, that's the blob sitting there in the corner. He does nothing, but he's the figurehead. We ought to be involved. We ought to be functioning as a leader in the home, having, having a, a functioning headship. It comes with responsibility. As Christ is the saviour of the body, as Christ nurtures and cherishes the body of the church, we are to be the same. We are to function as heads. We are to do something. Our headship is more than just a name. We are God's representative in the home, and as such, we are to function to the best of our ability in that role. And to do that, we need our wives' help, by the way, men. If we're going to be the kind of leaders we need to be in the home, if we're going to be the head that God wants to be in the home, then we need all the help we can get. And we need our wives to help us, to assist us. She is our helpmate. Remember that. She is equal to us. She may well be smarter than us. She may well be better at leading than us. She may well be better at lots of things than us. Therefore, a smart head takes the, the, the staff that he has around him, so to speak, in a company terms, and allows them to have input into the leading of that, that company. Well, the same is true in the home. If you and I are going to be functional leaders, then we look to our helpmeet to help us be the leaders we ought to be because she is wise and God gave her to us to help us to be the men that we ought to be. And a smart leader understands that. Because if we're going to function the way we ought to function, we need our helpmeet to help us. Our headship is a representative headship. Our headship is a functional headship. But thirdly, our headship is an attitudinal headship. For the husband is the head of the wife, and he is Christ the head of the church, and he is the saviour 
of the body, the most important aspect of the headship is the husband's spirit or his attitude. You know, there are two characteristics necessary for proper attitudinal leadership. If you and I are going to be the kind of leader that Christ was, if we're really going to be the leader that represents Christ in the home, if you and I are going to reflect his character in our headship, then there are two characteristics necessary for the proper attitudinal leadership. First of all, it must be servant leadership. Christ is the head of the church, and as the head of the church, what does he do? He's the savior of the body. The husband must manifest headship as a servant leader. Or we might say as a submissive leader. Now, I didn't mention this last week. Verse 21 of this chapter, you read this. This prefaces everything that's going to follow. This is kind of the, 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 uh, a statement from the apostle here that kind of sums up everything else he's about to say in the rest of this chapter and indeed chapter 6. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There is mutual submission in the home. How does the wife show that she is submitting herself to her husband? Simply by submitting herself to her husband. That's verse 23, uh, verse 22. How does the man show he's submitting to the wife? Because we are to submit one to another by doing exactly what the Lord says in verses 23 to 33, leading and loving his wife. We show our submissive character by being willing to function as a leader and have the right attitude of leadership in the home. It's a submissive leadership. The husband is commanded by God to keep, to guard, to shield, to provide for his wife and family. We saw that in verse 28, for all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes these in the Lord, the church. We're to love her as our own bodies. We are to cherish her as our own bodies. We're to nourish her as our own bodies. We are to consider her as part of the one flesh relationship, and therefore we want what's best for her. Christ is our example, and we must have the right attitude in regard to our responsibility in the home. If we want to know what it means to be the head of the wife, we want to ask, how does Christ function as the head of the church? Because that's what it says here in verse 23, doesn't it? It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So how is Christ the head of the church? How does he function? What is the characteristics of our head? Is Jesus Christ the dictator? Jesus Christ just a figurehead? Or is he functioning as our head with an attitude that is a servant attitude, a submissive attitude? Is he a submissive servant leader? Well, he is. Matthew 20, 28 gives us a clue. It says, even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. 
Jesus Christ didn't come to be ministered to. He didn't come to sit back and everybody meet his every need and, uh, and fulfill his every wish. He came to minister unto us. He came to be a blessing unto us. He came to provide for us. And the biggest way he demonstrated his servant leadership was dying on the cross, wasn't it? He submitted himself to the cross. He submitted himself to the will of the Father that he might provide for you and I salvation. He is the ultimate submissive servant leader. What about John chapter 17? John chapter 13 verses 1 to 17. We won't take time to read it. But you know the picture there. The picture there of leadership is not a crown and a throne, but a towel and a basin. Remember the story? Christ's disciples are together and he rises up from the table and he grabs a towel and grabs a basin and starts to wash the disciples' feet. Here is the Lord of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. Here is the man who is about to be the savior of the world. He is God incarnate and what's he doing? He's on his knees before his disciples washing their feet. He is a servant leader. So we want to know how to be husbands, the husbands we ought to be. We want to know how to be the men that we ought to be in our homes, the fathers we ought to be in our homes. Well, look at Christ because he's the example. We are the head of the wife, even as Christ, the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. He functions with a submissive attitude to meet our needs. See, Christ's concern was not for his own comfort. His concern was not to give others the attitude that somehow they had to do whatever he pleased. His concern was not to give orders as a boss and boss everyone around with an attitude of superiority. His concern was to meet the needs of others. He viewed the needs of others more important than his own needs. Remember as he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating those drops of blood and he's in agony leading up to the cross. He cries to the Father, not my will, but thine be done. Whatever he does, he does for our sake with our best interest in heart. And that's why he died on Calvary. In similar fashion, the husband is to live for the sake of the wife. We need to live always keeping her best interests at heart. He is to, the husband is to be the wife's servant leader. We're not dictators, men. We're supposed to take the leadership in the home. But not only are we to provide servants leadership but we're to provide spiritual leadership look in verse 26 again you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing water by the word that he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that he should be holy without blemish so when men love their wives their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet loved hated his own flesh but nourisheth and showed it even as the lord the church is the example. As the Lord does this for the church, we're to do this for our wives. 
we are to be the leader. And every wife has certain needs that can only be met by strong spiritual leadership. Our wives need the stability and direction of spiritual leadership. So that we might indeed nourish and cherish her. And while that is physical, it's also spiritual. That's what headship includes. It means that you and I as men must take the lead in spiritual matters in the home. We need to remember that we are the representative authority in the home. We're Christ's representative in the home. We're to be setting the pace spiritually. You know, they ought to be able to look at us and they ought to be see Christ and us, the hope of glory. You and I ought to be taking the spiritual lead. You and I ought to be godly men. You and I ought to be men of the book and men of prayer. And we ought to be men who set the example for our families. Many men are content to sleepwalk in the house. Relegating many of their leadership responsibilities to the wife. But as the chief executive officer of the house, husbands must take the lead. You know, we must set the pace, men, in church attendance. Set the pace in giving. Set the pace in spiritual instruction, financial management. Set the pace in knowing what homework is due and helping our children to do it. Helping to put the children to bed and praying with them. And by the way, that's fun. So it's a chore that you ought to enjoy doing, by the way. I used to love reading to my kids. I still love those books, the Maxi Mini series that we used to read every night, and now my grandkids are reading them. And I keep telling my kids when they take them to read to their kids to bring them back because I still want them. Because they're great stories. used to love reading those stories to them. And uh, this couple in particular that I love more than the others, it's a fun thing to do. Dads, we need to be involved. We need to, we need to be involved in the home. We need to be spiritual leaders. Our wives and our children ought to be able to look up to us and see in us that we're godly. That we're the head of the wife, even as Christ the head of the church, he's the savior of the body, and he nourishes and cherishes it, we ought to do the same. We're to be reflecting Christ to our wife and to our children by headship and leadership. The question for us husbands is this, how well are we doing in our role as head? How well are we functioning as Christ's representative in the home. Do we have a Christ-like attitude with regard to our leader? You know, if the only response that you can think of this morning is with regards to how am I doing and leading my home is I earn the income to provide all the material needs of my family, then you're doing only the minimum. Because you need to remember and we need to remember headship is not a title. It's a responsibility. We have a model for the marriage relationship, the relationship with Jesus Christ and the church. And so as Christ is the head of the church and leads the church, we as husbands are the head of the team. 
that is the one flesh relationship of the husband and wife. And as such, we must take up our responsibility and lead. For if we're to have marriages, we have homes that bring glory to God, then men, we must fulfill our responsibility and lead our wives. May I challenge us, men, let's seek to be a good representative of Christ in our home as his representative to his glory. Next week, we'll see that we're to love our wives and what that entails. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, there is so much in Ephesians chapter 5 with regards to man's responsibility. And I guess in some ways it just scratched the surface today. Lord, help us as men as husbands and as fathers to take up our responsibility to be your representative in the home, functioning in our role as head with the right attitude, a Christ-like attitude, that role of leader. That you might receive all the praise and all the glory. This we ask in Jesus' name.